My name is Kent. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad that you're here. And I want to add my prayer to the prayer we just sang and ask that the Lord would fill you. So the Lord be with you. We're looking at the passage that Bruce used with the children, and it's from John chapter 15. So I'd like to invite you to open your Bible and turn there with me and read along. John chapter 15. And while we're reading it, you can listen and see if there's a love tree or joy tree or patience tree or pineapple tree. I'm not sure about that one, but John chapter 15, I'm going to start reading with verse 1. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is God's word, and it's true, and we can rely on it. We become like the people that we hang out with. This is why our parents always told us to choose our friends wisely, right? And you who had children probably told them the same thing. If you're not careful, you might end up with friends like this. Although I have to admit, after watching the second half of the game on Sunday, I'm almost ready to become one of these fans. We become like the people we hang out. I was at Kinnick, I mentioned last week, and I saw a whole bunch of people like this. Darn it, if they don't all look the same. Tell me if you can um, quiz, what are these guys all interested in? Yeah. Yeah. We become like the people that we hang out with, right? 
What about this group? Yeah, this is a picture from Comic-Con, which if you're not into this stuff, you don't really get it. But you would not wear these kinds of outfits like out and about, like to Nubo or something. You have to be at Comic-Con with a bunch of other people who are wearing things like this, or otherwise you don't fit in. Yeah. <laughs> what about this? Okay, so this tells me that if I become like the people I hang out with, I, it's not just about my you know, costume or my apparel, it actually starts to impact everything about me. So that if I hang out with runners, I, yeah, I have to get running gear, but I also, it changes my lifestyle, right? I start to think about when am I going to go run? What's the best time of the day to do that? I start to think about what I'm going to eat, if I'm eating healthy, if I'm getting enough sleep. It actually changes my whole lifestyle so that if I hang out with people who love to exercise and eat right, pretty soon, I love to exercise and I eat right. The people we hang out with shape us. So, who do you hang out with? Do you hang out with people who are good for you? Have any of you ever spent time hanging out with anyone who was a big complainer? Anybody? I'm not going to say any of you maybe happen to fall into that category, but I know I have on occasion been with spend an evening with someone who's a huge complainer, and you know what I end up doing at the end of the night? Complaining about them. That's what I do. Have you ever been hanging out with anybody who's, like, always in a hurry? Always exhausted? And the longer you hang out with this person, the, the faster you move and the more exhausted you become? Ever hang out with anyone who's anxious? Or fearful? or impatient, or disgusted. I had a friend once who was disgusted about everything. No matter what happened, he was disgusted by it. Have you ever spent time with anyone who was paranoid? I had a friend who was a real conspiracy theory nut. He was paranoid about everything, and I hang out with him for a while, but eventually I had to ditch him because I figured he was out to get me. So the rituals and routines of our life that we live out in the everyday stuff of life with everyday ordinary people have a huge impact on shaping us and transforming us. And the word that we're thinking about today is the transforming part of transforming the culture. We thought it might be helpful for us to look at exactly how does transformation happen? Can we figure out what that is that we're talking about? And if we can figure out how it happens, then maybe we can figure out how to do more of it. So... We want to look at our lives this morning and try to ask the question, what are the influences that are shaping us, transforming us, molding us? And I came across one commentator this week who's kind of a social commentator, and he made this bold statement. He said, our lifestyle systems are designed to give us exactly what we're getting. So if we're people in our current state of mind, quite anxious quite fearful, quite insecure. It's because we've put people all around us and we're constantly getting bombarded with things that are fearful and causing anxiety. Would you like to be different? Then we need to be around different people. I think this truth kind of applies to everybody, but I think it specifically applies to how we live out our faith. So would you like an unbusy life? a life that's not 
hectic and frantic and running from one thing to another. That's something I've been working on in my life. I'd like an unbusy life. Would you like peace? Peace beyond understanding. Patience. Would you like the patience of Job? Would you like kindness and goodness and self-control? Would you like joy and contentment? Simplicity. Are these things that are important to you? Well, are you hanging around people who live like that, who have those qualities? Uh, I think I've mentioned this in the past that I go to counseling from time to time to try to get my ship head in the right direction in certain areas. Of all the many things I've heard in counseling, the one thing that has come up the most often is this. If you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always gotten. I don't know how many times my counselor said that to me. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting the same results. If you want transformation, then something has to change. Now, the Bible is very clear about where this transformation begins, and it's described in John chapter 15. I actually have one picture that I think summarizes the entire passage. It's the same picture that Bruce had for the kids up here. Okay? This picture talks about the power of abiding and how abiding in Jesus will transform your life. I think it's a beautiful picture. Many people love John 15, I think, because it's so clear. Here's one of my favorite sections from this passage. Jesus says, remain in me as I remain in you. Would you like transformation, Kent? Well, then you've got to abide with Jesus. Remain in me as I remain. No branch can bear fruit by itself. That's not how it works. You don't go off on your own and bear fruit. You have to remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine and he calls us to abide in him if we're going to bear fruit. Maybe the contemporary to talk about, way to talk about this would be to hang out. To hang out with Jesus shapes us, transforms us. So how much time do you spend doing that? I came across some interesting data. I don't know if this applies to anybody here, but it was something about the average number of times an American swipes their phone in a day. Average number. You want to guess? Average number of swipes. Yeah, right on. 2,000. That's the, that's the average. Some of you are swiping your phone a whole lot more because I don't swipe my phone that much. 2,000 swipes a day. Um, there's some interesting research about how much time we spend on social media. And this is all screen time. You know, phones computers, iPads, tablets, everything. How many hours a day do we spend on screen time? You want to guess about that? Well, it depends a little bit on your age and kind of your, your station in life, but the average is somewhere between 9 and 12. 9 and 12 hours a day abiding with your phone or your tablet or your TV screen. How many hours a day abiding with Jesus? I didn't look it up because I didn't want to know. Honestly. 
Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit. You will. If you abide in Jesus, you'll be changed, you'll be transformed. If you don't, you can do nothing. Normally at this point in the sermon, I would do something like roll out a bunch of additional Bible verses and do some more explanation and analysis of transformation and tell you some relevant stories of people who abide with Jesus and the difference that that made. But about the middle of the week, I started to feel uncomfortable with that idea, and I thought there's got to be something different for us to do together today. And so I started to think about that, and I was wrestling with that. And then late Thursday, I actually came across a, a blog post that was written by, in part of my screen time, reading blogs, um, a blog that was written by Les Parrott. And he was asking a very similar question to the question I was asking. He says, um, if I love Jesus more, what transformation would that bring? What transformation would come from that? If we abide with Jesus, what transformation would come? He suggested a couple things. He said he would become more mindful and less detached. Yeah, I, I, I need that. I could re- actually relate to his whole list of things here. He said we would become more approachable and less exclusive. He suggested that we would become more graceful and less judgmental. That we would become more bold and less fearful and that we would be more self-giving and less self-absorbed. And that got me thinking, well, maybe the thing we need to do more of is just simply to abide with Jesus, to hang out with him. And if we could do that maybe together here for a few more minutes this morning, maybe that would be the biggest move toward transforming us. And so I'd like to suggest that we do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a couple more passages that are all about Jesus. And I'm going to ask us all to kind of take a deep breath, kind of forget about everything else, and just imagine what would it be like if you spent more time abiding with Jesus? What would it look like if you just had some time to relax, take a breath, dwell in his word, and imagine what difference it would make if Jesus was walking with you every day? That's what I want us to do for the next few minutes. So I'm going to start by reading... A passage from John chapter 4. I feel like I should pray for you again. The Lord be with you. Jesus left the Judean countryside and he went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria and he came to Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, worn out from his trip, sat down at the well. It was about noon. And a woman was there, a Samaritan woman who came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Because Jews in those days, they wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. And Jesus answered, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, 
you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh, living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is very deep. So how are you going to give me living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it and his sons and his livestock? Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again and again. But anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be a living well within gushing fountains of endless life. How would living water gushing out of you bring transformation? How would it change you if you were never thirsty again? Let's spend some time with Jesus in John chapter 6. After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee, and a huge crowd followed him. They were attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down, surrounded by his disciples. It was nearly time for the feast of the Passover. When Jesus looked out and saw the large crowd and recognized that they had arrived to listen to him, he said to Philip, Where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith because he already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, 200 pieces of silver wouldn't be enough to buy bread for every person here. One of the disciples, his brother Andrew, said, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but that's just a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Jesus said, make all the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in that place, and so they all sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread, and heaven, giving thanks, gave it to those who were seated. He did the same with the fish, and everyone ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, gather the leftovers so there's nothing wasted. They went out and they filled 12 large baskets with leftovers. The people realized that God was at work among them, that Jesus had done an amazing thing. They said, this is a prophet. This is God's prophet. Jesus saw that in their enthusiasm, they were about to grab him and make him king. So he slipped off and he went back up the mountain to be by himself to pray. In the evening, his disciples went down to the sea. They got in the boat and they headed back across the water to Capernaum. It had grown quite dark and Jesus had not yet returned. And suddenly a huge wind blew up, churning up the sea. They were maybe three or four miles out. And they saw Jesus walking on the sea. They were scared senseless. But he reassured them, it's me, it's all right, don't be afraid. So they took him on board 
In no time they reached land, the exact spot where they were headed to. What difference do you think it would make in your life if Jesus was in the boat with you? What kind of transformation would he bring if you're scared senseless about something? What difference would it make to abide with Jesus? Think about it a little bit more. Here's some story of Jesus from John chapter 8. Jesus went across to the Mount of Olives, but he was soon back to the temple again, and swarms of people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. The religious scholars and the Pharisees then led in a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They stood her up in plain sight for everyone to see, and they said, Teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses says she should be stoned. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something incriminating so they could bring charges against him. Instead of speaking, Jesus bent down and he wrote with his finger in the dirt. They kept at him, badgering him. And then he straightened up and he said, You who are without sin, you throw the first stone. And bending down again, he wrote some more in the dirt. Hearing that, they began to walk away one after another, beginning with the oldest, until the woman was left all alone with Jesus. And Jesus stood up and spoke to her. Woman, where are they? Where are those who accuse you? Does no one condemn you? And she said, no one. And Jesus said, neither do I. Now go and sin no more. When I read these passages, I can't help but wonder what would it look like if we spent a lot more time abiding in the vine? And how would that shape us? How would that transform us? Because you know, we become like the people that we hang out with. I confess to you that I need more time with Jesus because oftentimes I feel resistant and reluctant to his ideas about changing the world. And I look at the mess and I think, what can be done with it? It seems like it's too big. It's too It's impossible. I think of some of the people that I love and the choices that they make in their life, and I don't know if God can change them. I feel sometimes cynical and uncertain about his power. I'm not sure what he wants to do. And when I'm feeling like that, you know what I really need? More abiding. That's what I need. We become like the people we hang out with. So that's what I want you to think about today and into this coming week, the rest of your week. What would it look like if you spent more time with Jesus? What would it look like if I spent more time abiding with Jesus? And just to tickle your imagination just a little bit more, I I have a little video I want to conclude with. And this video inspired me because as I was listening to these people tell their story, we've been giving testimonies. This week it's a video testimony. 
As I was listening to these people share their story, I thought, these people would not behave the way they're behaving unless they spent a lot of time with Jesus. And that inspired me. I hope it inspires you too. So go ahead and watch this little video clip. I'm Debbie Kopetsky. Bobby Kopetsky. We live on Amen Corner Road in Pflugerville. Been here about 15 and a half years in this house. Built this house here. And I, I, I'm going to give my wife credit. She's the one that really, I mean, she was obedient to the Lord. But she really said, you know, let's kind of just stop messing around. Let's go out in our neighborhood. We would wave at one another. Um, we might know their first names, but we certainly didn't have dinner together. We certainly yeah. didn't go into one another's homes. Uh, wouldn't know their kids' names. Would, wouldn't know about their personal life. So we just prayed about it, and, you know, we kind of said, okay, you say this, I say that kind of thing. And we just knocked on the door. But truly, the very first thing we said was, hey, guys, come to our house for dinner. You know, uh, we want to just have conversations about God and what it means in your life. had stories to tell. We all have a story to tell. There was a lot of loss in the room um, that we really didn't even know. Bobby and I had gotten the impression that um, they thought that our life was pretty much a-okay. So God had really led us to to share some of the pain and suffering that we had already experienced. Um, I just shared with them that I was widowed at a very young age and that I had three young sons. Obviously, Bobby is the greatest blessing from the Lord, and it looks like we've been married since we were 17. Um, And so that was a big surprise to them. And so the room just got so quiet that they were able to say, well, I've lost my parents. My mother gave me up when I was a baby. Uh, My dad died when I was eight years old. My dad wanted me out of the house. I, you know, all these different stories of the different people that all of a sudden you could just feel the cohesiveness of the group. It's a complete blend of ages and places in life, which um, represents a true family. That's, That's the real strength. And now we have, uh, I think, 15 or 16 that come going on three years now. You know, we tell them all the time, if you meet somebody during the week and you feel led, you invite them. Because uh, if this thing gets too big, we'll just keep pushing back furniture. And uh, that's a great problem. One of the most amazing stories, I guess, is one of the couples who's most recently joined us, and their names are Matt and Roberta. They had moved in across the street. I noticed that Matt's garage door was open. Well, he walks across the street for us just to talk. Didn't know a thing about him, and he didn't know a thing about me. And then Matt shared with me that he and his wife had lost their son just the last year. And (laughs) Matt's voice immediately broke, just like mine is right now. So I just reached out and touched his wrist, told him how sorry I was. 
And I told him, Matt, there's a reason that God brought you to Amy Corner Road. And so I just pointed at all the different houses. And I said, we have this incredible Bible study. We get together every other Sunday night. We eat. We have a fabulous time. Um, But the real deal is we do homework and we study God's Word because that's the only thing you can really stand on. And I'll tell you, Matt, every single person, we've all had struggles. And little did I know that Bobby and I were going to go through some of the worst struggles ever within the next six weeks. Shortly after we'd met Matt, you know, found out about their situation. God took our son home. Um... We don't know God's plans, but God's plans are good. They were, they were right here with us every step of the way, every step of the way. If we needed anything, we have these people right here that love us. We love them back. And it's just part of being God's family. And so what do you do when that happens to you? You stand on God's promises, what you, what you do know. And um, we don't have to have all the answers because what God's given us is enough. And uh, God clearly had us build this house 15 years ago on Amen Corner. And so he sees the beginning and he sees the end. All that Bobby and I have done, the only simple thing that Bobby and I have done is we've just been obedient. He'll supply you with everything you need. It's it's shown us uh, uh, as a couple that uh, God will help you to step out and be bold uh, and, and, you know, be a witness for Him. Uh, this has certainly changed our lives uh, forever. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Lord God, we come to you today and we give you thanks for the truth of your word. We give you thanks for the power of your Holy Spirit that is at work transforming us. And God, we give thanks for your providential care for your watchfulness over all of our lives and all the everyday stuff we do. And we just give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.